0: Welcome to another edition of Rediscovering the Indies, an independent wrestling history podcast brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. I'm Chris Gullo joined alongside Jonathan Ash. Hello. And uh, we are finishing off the saga that is XBW today, Uh, but before we get to that, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the Wrestling Entertainment Network YouTube show, Uh, and we're going to get into them a little bit uh, later and tell you all about them, but we want to thank our good friends at the Wrestling Entertainment Network YouTube show, and uh, we want to thank you for keep listening and supporting. Uh, The audience keeps growing and growing, and if you Want to know more about the podcast? You can go to RTI Pod on Twitter, uh where uh you'll see social media every day on that and the Instagram and Facebook which is Rediscovering the Indies on both handles. And you'll have an independent wrestling, uh, you know, this day in independent wrestling history, uh, fact every single day. We keep it updated. We don't miss a day. So check it out. Uh, lots of cool stuff. We've had stuff up there from like 92, 95, 98, all the way until most recent 2019. So lots of, uh, cool, uh, little fact toys for independent wrestling history. So check out the social media, like the social media, follow social media, as well as if, uh, you can, uh, Review us if you're listening to us on Apple. Uh, review us on Apple. Give us a great review, hopefully, and uh, subscribe. Uh, the biggest thing is click subscribe on whatever uh, service you use, whether it's uh, you know Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that. But uh, subscribe to us uh, so you get that alert right away when we're on every single month here. Uh, this episode uh, we are releasing late into June, so uh, we do a. Apologies. We'd like to try to get in a little bit sooner, but uh we still were are here for you every month. And uh we'll uh we'll get the uh next month's episode out a little bit earlier than usual for you folks for being so patient this month of June. But uh we'll uh we'll get right into it here. Uh where we left off was the XPW pay-per-view in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which looked to be the last XPW show for the time being here.
1: You said pay-per-view, but it technically wasn't. Well, it was filmed as a pay-per-view. It was
0: filmed as a pay-per-view, yes. Uh, did not air at that point, uh, but yes, it was filmed as a pay-per-view here. But uh, we're going to get right into a March 24, 2003, following that event, uh, the wrestling column in the Philadelphia Daily News, and now this is from The Observer, said that Greg Serb, who heads the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission, was telling fans who had been unable to get a refund on purchase tickets for the canceled February 15th XPW date, uh, to call the Philadelphia district attorney's office. One would think if there was such a problem, that's the whole reason for the $10,000 bond promoters have to provide when they get a license. And that's the money that should be used. A similar thing happened here in California about 17 years ago. Leah Mayavia, rocks. Grandmother ran a tour of her Honolulu based Polynesian pro wrestling which had gotten a weekly TV show on the old FNN score of California, and many, if not all, of the workers of the tour never got paid. Wonder if that's going to be in Young Rock. Um, one wrestler contacted the commission right away to alert them, since Maya Villa had to post a $10,000 bond to run in California at the time. A few weeks later, many, uh, with many of the guys still haven't gotten paid. Uh, they contacted the commission again, which informed them that they released the bond back to Maya Villa, so there was no money to reimburse them on what was owed. Since the commission knew about the problems and didn't care about the people they were to protect, there was a pretty good reason why no one shed any tears when wrestling was deregulated here. So uh, obviously coming from Meltzer, being from California, and he knows that, that incident pretty in-depth here. Um, and that's
1: that's actually weird that... Philadelphia works that – or Pennsylvania works that way because as far as I'm aware, at least what NISEC, New York State Athletic Commission have told uh, people in our industry, that how New York runs is that you can't just call and get money off of a bond. You actually have to file a claim in small claims court, win the judgment, and then take take the judgment to the state to get your money for the bond, which basically just means I'm not going to go – if I paid for a twenty dollar ticket, I'm not gonna go through small claims court. But it would
0: also be, you know, it would just almost be impossible in some situations where, yeah, you can, you can. Oh, look, I bought a presale ticket off this wrestler.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like they said, what's oh, the wrestler's can, name? I don't know his real name. You know, I think
0: nowadays, if this was enforced with online ticket sales, it'd be a lot easier. But we got to look at 2003. I'm sure there was some online ticket sales, but I'm sure you know they'll
1: I'm like sure mail in Pittsburgh
0: they were put putting out like young kids, ring crew like hey, sell tickets, mail order tickets. Yeah, like so how how do you how do you really trace that? Um and yeah, that bond, I mean that's just for the state to have money. Let's just when, when it comes down to it, you know. You know, we we try to be a very biased show here, but uh we're not a huge fan of athletic commissions and pro wrestling. At least me. <laughs>
1: so I d I I don't think I, I, I don't think, think for the safety of wrestlers, sure, but I don't think they to get exclusive. every dollar you can out of a promoter. I think everyone from from no matter what spectrum of wrestling you fall on, whether you're the whether you're Dave Meltzer or your Cornette, everyone dislikes athletic commissions in one shape or another. They're mostly money grabs.
0: Um Meltzer also reported in the same uh, observer that more XBW woes are that their uh, April 4th and April 5th shows in Los Angeles have been canceled. The date for their pay-per-view taped last week will be June the 5th. Um, now we're going to April, April 14th, 2003. Justin Credible mentioned in a website interview that he got a bounce check from XBW. Uh, there was a major raid on Extremist Associates, the parent porn company of XPW, on April eighth. Roughly twenty-five FBI agents, as well as postal inspectors, arrived with a ten-page warrant, confiscated five commercially marketed videotapes, including a controversial tape which aired a rape scene.
1: So the FBI taking down Extremist Associates. Rob Black sort of challenged them to go after him too. So <laughs> what do you expect? Uh,
0: April 21st, 2003, XBW scheduled return to Pittsburgh and April 19th was canceled due to the company's legal problems after the recent FBI raid on their office. Their taped pay-per-view date schedule is June 5th. has been moved back. Oh, no. With no new date announced. So you can see this is the writing on the wall. And it's funny because you can see the writing on the wall just the way the product that was being put out in the fiasco in Philadelphia with the ECW Arena and all that and but now that he actually his porn studio is under fire from the fbi you could tell that th- th- this was it the fact that people thought all oh, that they're, those they're, they're canceling for now but yeah and and you know it's you got to put in perspective for these talents some of these guys are, were from the independents and all that, but some of these people on this roster worked at ECW. They worked at WCW, and they just went through this. Yeah. a year, Like two years ago, and here they are again. Especially a guy like Justin Credible. It's not the only company to bounce a check from him. So, <laughs> I mean, ECW, I'm sure, bounced many a check. So
1: it, it, it also seemed like a lot of them were probably hoping that xpw could pick up where ecw left off and been very successful considering they have legit money behind them
0: yeah and there was an, an and in just a teaser on our next episode another company tried to do the same thing uh, that only lasted one show though so um so uh, on uh, May 12 2003 from The Observer XBW fans who purchased tickets, for the May 17th proposed show in Philadelphia, which have been canceled, have yet to get refunds. So still waiting on... Uh, so, so it's been two who months. Who is buying pre-sale tickets that ahead of time, though, at this point for XBW, Some pretty diehards. Like,
1: when you're considering the arena's not selling out, Like they're not selling out in Philly, so you don't really need to jump to get tickets.
0: The last Philadelphia show was february 14th uh in 2003 and then they run the two shows in california and then they're in pittsburgh if i was a fan in philadelphia i would well they might not come back or even though they're supposed to come back here you know like fans are optimistic i guess
1: so there, there's fans that will travel across the country and pay for flights to go to indie shows like yeah, some true. fans are some fans are very dedicated.
0: Uh, August 11, thousand three. There is a taped XPW airing throughout the month of August. It's an XPW pay per view. So, uh, and do, do we know if that actually aired?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I don't. I'm not sure.
0: Was it? Was it like a Stone Cutter Media type thing?
1: Bloody brawl. I assume like it's out there somewhere in some form. Um, maybe we'll. Maybe we'll find out more information as we read on here.
0: Yeah, I, well, this is where it's going to get fun, and this is going to be the, a, a big theme of this show is, you know, we're, we're, we're talking we're talking court cases. We're talking trials. August 18, 2003, XBW promoter Rob Zakari, a.k.a. Rob Black, and wife Janet Romano, a.k.a. Lizzie Borden, were indicted on 10 counts. And face a maximum of fifty years in prison each in a test case on obscenity charges for allegedly distributing pornographic movies that depict rape and murder of women throughout the mail through the mail and internet on August seventh. Uh, Zachary Twenty Nine and Romano Twenty Six, besides being the two of the highest profile distributors of porn material in the U.S. through their company Extreme Associates of Northridge, California, were also high profile promoters performers in their own wrestling promotion. Started largely because Zakari wanted to buy into ECW, was rebuffed, and tried to copy the ECW formula. Extreme Associates is a lightweight company as far as revenues, with annual sales at twenty million to forty nine point nine million of the estimated four billion dollar industry, but its owners are high profile, the nature of the tapes and they produce and the constant need for attention and Zakari's psychotic public behavior.
1: But that's still more money than ECW ever brought in <laughs> in yearly revenue, so I, I can't. Paul should Paul should have let him invest.
0: Yeah, it would have gave ECW at least a little bit more life until maybe this time. <laughs> um, both are accused of sending tapes of obscene movies to a PO box near Pittsburgh, a wholesaler in Pittsburgh, and transmitting obscene footage on their website. While there are no federal laws uh, prohibiting either making or selling these type of videotapes, there are laws to prevent selling obscene material over the Internet and distributing videotapes and DVDs across state lines through the postal system. We're talking 2003 here, folks. Like th- th- These rules sound like they're from the 50s. But this was not that long ago.
1: No, if I remember right, it might be met- mentioned later on, but I remember right doing my research that they found a county outside of Pittsburgh That had laws, had obscenity laws that would have made what was in the videos and the DVDs illegal when it wasn't illegal in other states and most states, most counties, but it was in this particular county. So the Bush era justice system set them up. Basically, they found they found a county that was conservative and that they could set them up for this.
0: And Meltzer says, too, that they are a just a small piece of the pie of the giant pornography industry, which almost made them the perfect victim for the federal government. Uh, they're only putting in $20 million a year. They probably don't have all their ducks in a row. We got this. You know, going after a company like Vivid Entertainment or something like that around that time. I'm even not sure if Brazzers was around, but they probably couldn't win that. They, they probably had a lot of firepower as far as attorneys and all that, where they're looking at this guy like, oh, there's no way. We, we 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 can get this guy.
1: I'm sure a lot of the other companies too had multiple people in charge. They could pass the buck. There was really no one you could pin something on. This there's one owner. Yeah, there's one. It's person. Like, well, they
0: went after Larry Flynn because he was yeah you know, right there.
1: Plus, we said like Ron Black was very uh, very high profile. Maybe one of the most high profile individuals in the industry at that point.
0: Uh, XPW is back to the Observer XPW, which is a tape pay-per-view running this month, has not run any house shows since running into financial difficulties earlier this year, followed by an FBI raid of the company's offices on April 9th. After the raid, uh, Zakari on the company website listed the tapes confiscated and offered them for sale, calling them the Federal Five. At a discount race, attempting to rub-in-the-face authorities. (laughs) Both Sicari and Romano uh, face a maximum of 50 years in prison and $2.5 million in fines. If convicted, in addition to their company, Extreme Associates is facing another $5 million in fines. Three videos led to the indictment. Force Entry, which features a depiction of forcible rape produced in the presence of PBS cameramen filming a Frontline special who were so shocked and sickened by the scene that they stopped filming. During the interview, Zakari challenged Attorney General John Ashcroft to try and stop them, claiming the government could do any, any, couldn't do anything about could do anything about them. The other two videos were called Cocktails Number no. Two and Extreme Teen Number no. 24. This is the wrestling show, folks, <laughs> which featured uh, an adult doing sex scenes with a girl playing the role of a preteen, although the woman was not underage who was performing the role. Um uh, We'll stop there for a second. Uh, so, we we've we're under the consensus, and and we'll touch on it later in the episode. That the you know other people were doing this, but they saw Rob Black as an easy target. And, and whether you agree with the type of pornography it was distributing or not, I mean, in today's world, that would not happen. And. He was he was a scapegoat for the government to show like look we're 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 trying to bring morality you know it was a new like you said it was the Bush regime and they're trying to show that they're different and they're trying to sh- you know show you at this point, 2003. two thousand three we're we're in Iraq. You know what I mean? And Afghanistan. Yeah. So like any way you could show, hey, you know, we're cleaning up the country here too, folks, for morality and all that. So and and you gotta remember two thousand three, the internet's there, but it's not what it is today. Pornography isn't this like not that it's okay in society, but it, I mean it, it, it it's pretty much tolerated. Like it's not, you know it's it, it's accepted where oh yeah, pornography exists, you know. No, there's not tons of politicians going after it and all that. But in this era, there still was
1: a little bit of that. Uh, and then we'll get into it too. The actual – the uh, the federal prosecutor, Mary Beth Buchanan, uh, she's had a little history too. Uh, the uh, attorney for Western District of Pennsylvania, she also presided over the – or also prosecuted the United States versus Tommy Chong uh, case. Where actor Tommy Chong Was indicted over selling Drug paraphernalia Which you might Know more about the case than I do But I believe it was about uh, It was just about pipes But that the government said Could be used Yeah
0: it's you know Their head shops Were popping up and Tommy Chong You know very, very popular I can't remember if he owned head shops Or he had just a line of headshot paraphernalia or what it was. But uh that really the that really set like the stone set of like, well we know what it's for, but they could say tobacco. And, yeah. You know. Um but yeah, I mean that's another morality thing. You know what I mean? Like
1: and, and they went after Tommy Chong because he was a high profile guy.
0: Yeah. And then this 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 pornography, like it's they're actors acting a scene. You know what I mean? If you at the end of the day, if you watch a movie and there's a rape scene in it, like a movie made by Paramount Pictures. Not saying Paramount's going to do that. I'm just, you know. And there's, you know, a rape scene in it. Like obviously, it's not going to be as obscene as a pornography and all that. But like, no one's trying to take down Paramount Pictures and all that because, yeah. At the end of the day, it's a movie, whether it's pornography or not. It's a movie, and I'm not. I'm not saying I agree with it or anything. Like I'm, I, I wouldn't watch that, but. I would not watch that, but, like, I'm just saying, like, it's, at the end of the day, like, you're just, you have certain interests, and you're, like, you don't like pornography, and you're going after pornography. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's really what it comes down to it. But, I mean, what I was getting to was he's really kind of bringing this on himself. He's yeah. calling out John Ashcroft. He's telling the government the kid to do it, and he's selling the Porto tapes. Yeah. Calling him the federal fund. By the way, when we end the show, we got some raw Black news.
1: Um, yeah, and 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 just going back really quick because I just I brought it up. Uh, another little thing about Mary Beth Buchanan, besides the Tommy Chong incident uh, in 2006, uh, she prosecuted Karen Fletcher of suburban Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who was indicted on six charges of distributing obscene materials over the internet. Uh, she wrote fiction uh, over. That included uh, molesting, rape, torture, and murders of children. No pictures, no video, just uh, just novels. So, whether you agree with that or not, that's this shows that Mary Beth is really going after uh, anything she sees. She has an as, agenda. Yeah. yeah, she has an agenda to go after what she what she believes is obscene material of any type.
0: Uh, The Los Angeles Times said the U.S. Justice Department promised this would only be the start of the wave of criminal cases against people in the porn industry, which I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was the only one. Uh, (laughs) Ashcroft has promised to crack down on the distribution of adult material such as movies, magazines, and websites. Today's indictment marks an important step in the Department of Justice strategy for attacking the proliferation of adult obscenity Ashcroft told times he said that the, his department will continue to focus our efforts on targeted obscenity prosecutions that will deter others from producing and distributing obscene material. Um, and after getting, and and this, this is kind of gives a, uh, brief synopsis, but this is a pretty good overview of what we've gone over. But they say after getting into the wrestling industry, XBW attempted to wage war against ECW, which came to head by attempting to make a scene during the ECW pay-per-view on July 16, 2000 in the Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, which resulted in a legitimate fight outside the building with wrestlers and personnel from both companies while the show itself was in progress. The fight never aired, although there were moments of tension visible on the show. Zakari had purchased 650 hours worth of tickets for the show and threw an intermediate had given word to ECW there'd be no problems at the show. At one point during the show, Rhino threw a beer, a can, direction XBW XPW contingent in the front row. Uh, Supreme and XPW top star started yelling at Rhino, who never acknowledged him, just as the main event of Just Incredible and Time Dreamer started. Uh, XPW valet Extreme Associates porn star Christy Mist took off her shirt, revealing a black leather bra, stealing the crowd's attention from the main event. However, none of this was evident to viewers in pay-per-view. The infuriated Francine, who was supposed to do a spot where she would lose her top and be left in a bra as the focal point in the main event. Uh, the two started shoving each other. Mist went uh, down from the shove and from a security guard who knocked Supreme into Mist. Joey Styles. Did refer to the incident uh, that wasn't shown, saying a drunk fan had to, had done something to Francine while the ECW locker room emptied and rushed the air to the area looking for a fight. The cameras were told to stay away from the scene, although not shown, it was evident from the crowd reactions there was a fight in the stands. Fans were getting knocked down in the altercation, and security and in the ECW wrestlers chased the XBW wrestlers out of the building, uh, out of the building. From the fight continued, which about two, 20 ECW personnel and seven from XBW, no charges were filed. So that's kind of a synopsis, of what we, a big part of episode two that that, that, that we went over there. Uh, in 2002, XBW started promoting shows at Viking Hall. And this And this is episode three, a good episode three review for us here. The old home ECW, but drew poorly, Sakari signed then an expensive exclusive lease with the building, forcing CCW and 3BW to stop running the Prime Arena. However, after drawing poorly, with one show doing barely 100 paid, the company defaulted on its lease and ended up being kicked out of the building. So, yeah, that just kind of gives you some analysis of XBW and probably their two of their biggest mainstream things that we went into detail here.
1: And how we got to the point we're at now. (laughs)
0: Uh, In episode two, we cover that fight. In episode three, we do cover them running the ECW arena. January 12, 2004, Rob Black's position in the porn world has changed with the test of obscenity charge against him. Black is usually considered persona non grata in that industry, but he's been kind of forced to be taken back and since he's become the government's test case regarding obscenity and free speech. He's now blaming XPW for his financial personal financial ruin, saying between his losses in wrestling and funding his current legal battle, he's drained his entire empire. He's claimed in online interviews that his wrestling dreams cost him everything and advised people to stick with businesses that you know. Black was hated in the porn world because there was a fear his way out there that porn movies would bring heat on the entire industry, which proved to be correct. Uh, but everyone to support him because if he loses, uh, the fear is the government will start going after an, another pornographers. Um, they're going after other pornographers. Uh, it's, it's XPW's fault that I'm in financial. <laughs> you ran XPW. I mean, I guess, I mean, he kind of say saying maybe you shouldn't get in business. You don't know. But we talked about it. There was decisions made. XPW could have had a more financial being there was room for an XPW
1: drawing on the outskirts of Los Angeles. They drew hundreds of fans, maybe even thousands. There was a lot of mistakes made.
0: We talked talk about the West Coast and how it's so weird that the East Coast, like it's been so wrestling centric, especially independent wrestling and all that, and the West Coast has been this. Like we didn't really get to start to know about West Coast guys until around 2003, 2004, 2005, you know, and then PWG blew up and all that.
1: Mostly until like Ring of Honor started up and yeah. started importing guys. He
0: could have made himself a nice little nest egg, just being an independent, running in California, and then by the time that the internet was starting to explode, boom. I mean, and this is granted, you know, this doesn't happen, the, the federal indictment, but... He 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 wanted to be this big national thing, and what he didn't understand that I mean, ECW it took them four years to get pay per view and be national, and they didn't get a TV deal until six years in existence. And, and he, did, he tried to do all this in his first two years,
1: and ECW was in the red from '96 onward.
0: Yeah, I, and, and you know, and I like. Whether you like deaf matches and 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 teased you know obscenity and all that, the, at that point and we talked about it. At that point in t- society, there was a market for that, and he just there were some decisions made along the way yeah. that just weren't smart. You know, in my opinion, you know, sorry, but and 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 that's why yeah. he lost money.
1: I mean, a lot of it would have been business decisions. I think, as we've explained, like running. The LA Sports Arena and then trying to run the East Coast. Um, yeah, I don't even know if ECW would have survived in the early two thousands. How everything changed. Like obviously, like indie wrestling transformed from the adult entertainment product, adult-oriented product to ECW, and kind of evolved into what Ring of Honor became. So, would have would ECW if they would have stayed at that adult product? Would they have? survived.
0: H- Heyman swears that he was going to turn into like, the Ring of Honor type product. He, he says that's that what now. he claims. He says yeah. that now. He claims, oh, I was talking to Loki, and
1: I had my eyes on Daniel. He had, yeah, he and, had Punk, and he you know, had Hero. He, he, yeah. like, he knew
0: Joe, too. Forget, like, so.
1: I mean, the, the, the long-standing word is when Gabe and Feinstein were starting to Ring of Honor, they had consulted with.
0: It would uh, make sense with Heyman Gabe and would Heyman. Call Heyman yeah. yeah,
1: Heyman threw those names at him, which I could see. But at the same time, was Mind Heyman? would have knew those
0: names though, because he would have been recording CCW and yeah. all that. Like
1: you've been selling Jersey those all videos. Pro, like, yeah. So I don't. I don't, th- I don't think Heyman was really watching Indies every weekend at that point. Yeah.
0: I think Heyman knew what guys told him. Oh, yeah, this low-key guy, like, towards the end there. and Yeah. Oh, yeah. this. I mean, you look at Matt Bentley works those final shows. Like, the, I mean, and Heyman's not technically really around because he wasn't at those shows, but I'm sure it was yeah. one of those things. Christopher so, so
1: Daniels did a little. This guy's
0: getting a buzz. He's, uh, he's working for – he's a Shawn Michaels trainee. Yeah. You know? um, so remember our old buddy Gary App? Yeah, the promoter of uh, – Throat of Epic. Epic Wrestling uh, who uh, – I had some issues it, his it, own. Had some issues. Well, yeah. So uh, August 23rd, 24th, this is from Figure Four Weekly from Alvarez. Gary App, a former promoter in South, Southern California, was arrested last week on char- charges of wrongful cruelty to a child and four charges of grand theft. He's currently being held in the Southwest Los Angeles Detention Center on $15,000 bail. So a guy that kind of questioned the credibility of Rob Black as a person uh, didn't seem like too great of a guy himself.
1: I had made the comment to you earlier in the week when we were when I was starting to do research on next month's show and it seems like we're always dealing with court cases <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah,
0: just a teaser. We'll be we'll be we'll be talking indictments and all that. <laughs> Not as in depth as this show, but yeah. we'll be talking that on, on the next episode. And we we'll tell you at the end of the episode what that topic is. Um uh, august 6 2006 uh nicole bass and howard stern said that she was not doing well physically and was pretty much broke due to her legal bills uh amassed uh when she tried to sue wwe for se- now, now now by the way folks we've skipped a little head here as rob black's been indicted but we have not gotten to the actual case yet.
1: yeah we're two and a half years in like everyone knows like federal court case is going to take a long time. Yeah. So basically nothing is going on with XPW right now. They're not running shows, obviously. So we're kind of like skipping. Nothing really newsworthy happened in 2005, but we're skipping to August 2006 at this point.
0: Yep. So, like I said, we're here in 2006. Nicole Bass says that she tried to sue WWE for sexual harassment and alleged injury when Jeff Jarrett hit her with a guitar she claimed was un gimmicked. Uh, I don't know what did 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 it ruin her life like Snake Roberts blamed Honky Tonk Man.
1: I coincidentally, uh, my roommates and I were actually we've been going through and watching the classic attitude era Raws. This one came up about a week ago and watched it a few times over and over again. I think it was a gimmick guitar because at the time all those guitars were gimmicked, but Jared didn't hold back. He swung for the fences.
0: Yeah. So I she think that could was have probably issue. said, give it to me. Like listening to my world with Jeff Jarrett, I have earned so much respect for the guy. Not that I didn't respect him, but like he is becoming more and more one of my favorite people in wrestling. He he pulls no punches, but he, he was pretty honest, you know? And I, I, and I, 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 I'd like to hear his story on that.
1: I I'm, I assume it's going
0: to come up. Uh, WWE was planning on calling Rob Black of XPW to court to testify that she was taking bumps on his show during the period that she was supposed to be injured. Well, talk about strange bedfellows. fellows. WWE was going to call Rob Black, who was in a case of his own, <laughs> to testify on their behalf.
1: I Just when I would think... Uh, APW, Roland Alexander calling Bruce Hart to testify on this, his this behalf. Right like up this there. is, yeah.
0: Um, she was hospitalized a few years back to several cysts in her pancreas developing into an infection. She lost over fifty pounds for various reasons. At one point, she was in such bad shape that she couldn't recognize anyone, including her husband Bob. And her chances of survival were listed at fifty percent. Then years later, when she was uh, unable to fill an oxycodone prescription, she went on a mad drinking binge threatened to slit her wrist and kill Bob, who was 57 at the time, and then bit the hand of a cop when they came to arrest her. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Nicole Bass is one of those sad stories when it comes to, uh, to to professional wrestling, you know, in that period with drug use and injuries and all
1: that. So, I, Yeah, unfortunately, I think she did fall into that trope of a lot of Howard Stern, whackpack Pack individuals where they were laughed and pointed at more than anything and they were there to be jokes and a lot of them just ended up with a lot of personal issues.
0: I think you get to a point where in the beginning it's like, wow, I'm famous. I'm making money, but then it's like, Whoa, why am I making money? You know, you know, why am I famous? And we, we unfortunately lost Nicole uh February seventeenth uh, in two thousand seventeen. So like, you know, it's it's you know, it's a shame. Uh you know, and, and they're just Watching this and you know watching you know a lot of the dark side of the rings and the China documentary and it's it's it you know people I'm gonna say this for now people want to crap on today's business all these kids they don't they 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 they're flippy floppy and they're not this and you know they're not kayf- they're playing video games and they're not partying hardcore and I can tell you that I can go to a wrestling show. I don't see any drugs. <laughs> you know, people, like, the big thing is, hey, where are we going to go to, to eat? And, and, and after the show, and you know what? I, I don't see people's lives spiraling. Yeah, maybe they're injured a little bit, but they're doing things like CBD and physical therapy and stuff like that. You know, I've I've seen they got the cool, like, drill thing for your back. like
1: uh, Wrestlers today are more cognitive of taking care of their injuries when... Even when I started uh, in the early 2000s, the mentality was, oh, you're hurt. You just just work through it. And, and I think people being more cognitive about that now are like, "Now I got to take care of this now.
0: Uh, January ninth, 2007, the newest attempt at a wrestling company started. Wrestling Society X. One of my favorite promos- short-lived promotions. Uh, officially debuts uh, Tuesday, January 30th, head-to-head with the second half hour of ECW. Through the pilot will air uh, somewhat quietly this coming Friday at 11 o'clock p.m.
1: Uh, WWECW.
0: Yeah. People I, yes. People know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and this is from the Observer. Uh, the, the group was, forced by Kevin, was formed, founded. I'm sorry, by Kevin Kleinrock, formerly of XPW and the owner of the DVD distributor Big Vision Entertainment. They shot a pilot in February 2006, featuring a number of independent workers and a few big names, including Sean Waltman, Vampiro, and New Jack. Everyone was asked to sign agreements stating that if the show was picked up, they'd commit to the entire season. Uh, everyone signed, with the exception of Delirious. Though not everyone ended up being brought back, including Just Incredible. And sadly, New Jack. Uh, it actually became a source of comedy for a while when every week was said to be the week of the announcement of the show being picked up would be made. It took over six months, and then it took another several weeks for MTV to actually send out press. And you know, this is one of those things that we'll talk about the influence of XPW. And you know, you know, coaching trees, right? You know, and we—I—I I, I mentioned this in the first episode, but it's been now three months. A lot of people like to talk about NFL coaching trees and like, well, look, this coach spawned this coach and this coach and this coach and this coach. And And if you look at who Rob Black helped put in the business, it's not a bad track record. You know, I mean, Kevin Kleinrock, Wrestling Society X is what it was. If it would have been just an independent promotion, not an MTV, it probably would have had more life. Uh, But, you know, MTV was just kind of cycling through shows at that time and doing a wrestling show in 2007, if it wasn't doing crazy uh you know crazy crazy ratings uh the life that a company would probably give it wouldn't be that much but we talk about him we talk about Ryan Katz a produ- who was a producer for NXT uh an- another guy that you know was under the wing of Rob Black and then Dave Marquez yeah D- Dave Marquez who you know would go on and do a lot of stuff with the NWA and Championship Wrestling Howl and the United Wrestling Network like some you know, brilliant guy and Kevin Kleiber. Uh, now he does um, uh Lucha Ma- Mass Republic. Yes, right, Mass okay. Republic uh, company. So, I mean, these are guys that are still active and, and, and really kind of like those unsung heroes of, of wrestling and independent wrestling. Uh, the, the, not I mean, the, you got to remember that you got to give Rob Black his credit when when it's due. You know, whether it, can you really contribute to success of these guys? But I mean, he gave them a platform. You know, to get them started.
1: Yeah, or I, get I them more experience. Fully agree. And then I just when I when you read that uh, section about uh, signing agreements to commit to the entire season, I'm just rolling my eyes to get Lucha Underground. Yeah, but that's what happens when TV production companies are involved in wrestling. And and Lucha and
0: in Lucha Underground. Heavily influenced by Wrestling Society oh, X, oh yeah. yes. and then if you look, Wrestling Society X is influenced by Xbw, <laughs> you know. So yeah, it's it, it, it's it's definitely a tree of influence. Uh, and now MLW's product is being influenced by Lucha Underground. You see how it just keeps yeah. coming, you know. Um, March. Uh, now we are at the trial, March twenty third, two
1: thousand. Nearly six months later.
0: Yep, six months. March twenty third, uh, two thousand nine. Here. Uh, yeah, six years later, six, yep. Yeah. Uh, just before a trial obscenity charge was about to go uh, go to trial, former wrestling promoter Rob Zakari, Rob Black, uh, who ran XPW, to, uh, 35, and wife Janet Romano, uh, 32, pleaded guilty in federal court in Pittsburgh to a charge of conspiracy to distribute obscene materials. The plea bargain came in exchange for dropping nine courts of violating federal states or obscenity regarding pornographic tapes through the mail. They Face as much as $5 million in fine and 50 years in prison if they have been convicted for all the counts in a trial, including a six-year-long ordeal, which was largely responsible for the death of the XPW promotion because they had to gather their resources for the defense. Uh, they will be sentenced in July. Zakari also pleaded guilty uh, for Extreme Associates, the company they owned it, until it was shut down in the wake of the indictments. The business exists uh, on paper, but it hasn't pro- uh, operated in some time. Zakari's attorney, H. Lewis Serkin, said they pleaded guilty because prosecutors agreed not to calculate how much they earned from the porn business. The charges were originally thrown out by U.S. District... Uh, judge gary lancaster four years ago who said that people had the right to view the material in the privacy of their own home and extreme associates had the right to distribute it however the government appealed on the argument that the supreme court ruled federal obs- uh, obscenity statutes don't violate people's rights to privacy the defense that it was seeking uh, that both Zakari and romano spend 10 to 16 months in prison half of which could uh, be served in a halfway house the government said it was asking for 27 to 33 months in prison, and they're also facing as much as $500,000 in
1: fines. So it was thrown out, and then the government kept pursuing it. Do
0: you think they should have kept fighting it? I feel like, especially at this you mean, point- You mean
1: for the government or Rob Black? It's side? Rob Black. I hey, listen, our was. U.S. judge already threw this out. I mean, in 2009, he should have, because now we have the Obama administration.
0: I, you know, I- I, I mean-
1: I don't want to get too political, but obviously that's the government strategy was delay it for six years and basically just bankrupt Rob Black. So at that point, at this point, he probably didn't have much money remaining to continue to fight it.
0: By the way, we didn't touch about this. Uh, there was a show called XPW Cold Day Hell in 2008, May 24th, not run by Rob Black in Renando Beach, California. Um, and there was a Dynamite D Battle Royal, which was won by Carnage. Chaos defeated Vampire in a singles match. GQ Money, uh, defeated Angel. The Sandman defeated Pogo, the Clown, uh, in a tag team match with special guest referee Terry Funk. Concussion and Homeless Jimmy defeated Johnny Webb and Raven. Then you had Team XPW, Jardy France, Vinny Massaro, and X Pac defeating Team Rev Pro, which was Disco Machine, um, Joey Ryan and Ron Rivera uh, Luke Hawks uh, Defeated Jack At- Evans in Scorpio Sky in a three-way match And a tag team match of the Gangsters Mustafa Nujic, uh defeated Big Rot and Chronic Well, an, oh, I'm sorry, it was, a, it was a no contest And then XPW King of the death match title No ropes, barbed wire, thumbtacks light tubes, death match Supreme defeated Necro Butcher, so there's a fun fact Necro Butcher wrestled in XPW uh, and so well actually disco machines on the early ones too so um so yeah so
1: just this, a random one-off show that and this looks evolve.
0: to be Rev pro probably helped put this on based on the talent roster yeah you know and I think like Walman's in Los Angeles at that time so he's probably easy to get and you know sandman's like a staple so all right so moving moving back on to the notes here um some more observer uh, june 2nd. 2009 xpw is apparently set to return the new version uh the first of which was owned by porn director rob black will be backed by big vision entertainment and will run the 10th anniversary show on august 1st somewhere in los angeles so it looks like kevin kleinrock trying to get back in the business again here and figures you know hey i'll try to bring xpw back uh July 13, 2009. This was the sentencing former XPW promoter Rob Zakari and wife Janet Romano were both sentenced to 366 days in jail and 2 years probation after pleading guilty to obscenity charges in a 6-year-old case that largely spelled doom for the wrestling company. Known as Rob Black, owner of porn company Extreme Associates, Zakari was enamored by ECW and wanted to buy into the company. When that didn't happen, he wanted to form a company similar to it. XPW was a money pit. Uh, But it was kept alive until Zakari was charged in 2003 with selling videos through the mail featuring graphic scenes of simulated rape, torture, defecation, and murder. The government's case was thrown on in 2005, but it was reinstated in 2006. Um, And just to follow up on that, July 27, 2009, the XPW promotion that folded years ago when Rob Black was indicted from an obscenity case reported on last week is doing a 10th anniversary show on August 22nd in Los Angeles this promotion the promotion debuted on July 31st 1999 in nearby Reseda thus far uh, they're mostly using local wrestler- regulars like Supreme, Homeless Jimmy, Luke Hawks, Johnny Webb, Angel and Scorpio Sky um so yeah so we we'll, and we we'll, we're going to go over the results of the 10th year anniversary show in a little bit here uh do you think Yes, he's being indicted and he's got all this going on. But do you think that somehow Rob's talking to Kevin Kleinrock? Like, hey, you know, we'll do this 10th anniversary show. And then, you you know, and when you get out or when this is over with, like... Or, I mean, because why carry the XBW brand? Like, at that point, what value does it have in 2009?
1: Uh, I see it more as the same reason why there's still... ECW, unofficial ECW reunion shows to this day. When you have random indie feds, especially in the Northeast, we'll just book a bunch of ECW guys and call it Hardcore Reunion or a variation of that. I think people just grasping at it. And this, it's 10 years, so I could see them being like, alright, let's run, let's run a show and let's gauge interest. See what maybe there's interest. Maybe they're going to Maybe fans are gonna come out for it.
0: So, one one, one thing, uh, um, that I want want to get into here. Uh, let's see here, we'll look at the notes here. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into this right now. We'll talk. We'll talk about the tenth anniversary show. Yeah, let's and go over the results of that. One. Well, let's go with that, and then we'll kind of like go over some XPW. Stuff in in the details like that So XBW 10 year anniversary uh, August 22nd 2009 uh, We had a 6 man tag team match where Joey Dynamite, Loco, and Steve Payne uh, defeated Clay Motley, Lucha Machine, and The Rookie 88. In a Dynamite D Memorial uh, World Famous Corner Six-Way match, Marcus Riot defeated Shamira, uh, Damian Arsenic, uh, and Famous B, and Jerome Robinson and Willie Mack. Starting to see some guys that would pop in Lucha Underground. Uh, the red-headed stepchild and the stepfather in a tag team match defeated BC Killer and Robbie Phoenix. Uh, you get Homeless Jimmy uh, defeating Baby Slim in an eight- uh man tag team match: christina von airy el chupacabra dante and timothy thatcher there's a, i think that might be the tidbit to take from this episode yeah timothy thatcher wrestled an xpw show and they defeated catherine johnny webb matt classic uh and thunder kitty thunder kitty another one uh gq money uh defeated mr mcphenom Monica Massaro and Vinny Massaro uh, defeated Joey Ryan and Lizzie Valentine. I'm only saying his name because of the results, folks. Uh, Pogo the Clown uh, defeating Leroy in a singles match. Uh, Singles match, Matt Cross and Scorpio Sky went to a time limit draw. Uh, Tag team match, Luke Hawks and Scorpio Sky defeat Matt Cross and Tool. In a burned-in-hell grudge match... Carnage defeated Youth Suicide, who we actually saw in WrestleMania Society X, uh, with Vic Grimes, and then in an XPW King of the Death match title, um, Supreme Defeated Angel. Uh, and that folks would kinda be the last XPW show on record. And I say kinda be because in 2011 in which we could talk about right now, because we don't have really anything in notes till twenty thirteen, but wanna get I wanna segue into some side talk in a minute. But there was an XPW versus Peros de Mal show in Mexico in 2011. And it saw a three-way match with Dynamic Black uh, defeating Alan Extreme and Dragonfly. Uh, Jurassic Boy and Tribal uh, defeating Dynastro and Konami. Celestial and Cosmico defeating Mr. Mini Aguila and Mini Talisman. Uh, six-man tag match. Uh, you had Dr. Extreme, Eric Bellum PoliGro Peligro defeating Blackfire, Tony Rivera and Zumbi. Uh, two out of three falls strip tease match, Lolita defeating Sexy Star uh, in two out of three falls. And then you had the eight-man tag, which really seems to be the only XPW influence on the whole show. Uh, Los Perros de Mal, which was Basita, Damien, Halloween, and X-Fly, defeated Carnage, Johnny Webb, Chaos, and Supreme.
1: Uh, attendance was around 850. I don't know if I would call this an actual xpw show it just seems like uh they just booked a handful of xpw guys and just slapped that name on there but you're in mexico like what are you once, gonna draw based on that once again what is
0: the, is the brand value that much you know i mean peros de mall to me is is much more of a brand value at that time than XBW, you, you don't need the XBW
1: rub. Let's, Maybe the guys in the main event like sold it to the promotion and be like, hey, you book us, you can promote it as XBW, an XBW match? I don't know.
0: Well, let, let's talk about the two shows, these last two shows, um, just kind of dissect them a little bit. So the XBW 10-year anniversary. Now, it's an anniversary show, right? So you're expecting as many people as you can get from the past a lot. And if you really, really look at this show, you got homeless, Jimmy, Johnny Webb, uh, GQ money, Vinnie Massaro, mm, Pogo five. I mean, I, do you want to count Scorpio sky? Cause he did work some early shows. Maybe if you count them, six, Luke Hawk, seven carnage, eight, Supreme and Angel. So 10 wrestlers of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 20, 20, 20. I mean, there's over 40 wrestlers, and only 10 of them were, were parts of the original XBW. And it's a 10th anniversary show.
1: Yes, but it's also six years later. I understand that. But it just it was
0: just a California indie show that they just happened to slap XBW's name on it.
1: I mean a somewhat notable local indie fed in central New York called two CW's starting back up to a few reunion shows in a few months and it's been six years and we're on the same issue. <laughs> that there's a lot of the guys either signed, uh, or are retired and not interested in coming out to work the reunion show so that happens when you have such a large gap
0: i mean i i I, I guess so
1: but still like uh if you're doing an ecw reunion show all right ecw ended in 2001 wwe did one night stand 2006 how many of the guys in that show were not already wwe contracted wrestlers
0: not not many. A lot, a lot of them worked the night before. Extreme Union, but
1: even Extreme Union, there was, there wasn't that. It wasn't a full, like ten, twelve match card with guys. You ha- you had who was available. Yeah,
0: no, I mean it was it was close. Um, all right, and then the me- the Lucha show, which we already kind of touched about. Uh, I like. I don't know if this was. Something where, what where Damien and Halloween wanted to kind of give back to XPW, kind of giving them a, you know, you give them a lot of bookings in North America after WCW closed, or after they were their Pacific contracts were terminated, and it was like kind of a a thank you. And who would arrange that deal? Because we don't have anything in the notes. I'm curious of who would have arranged that or was it chaos maybe talking to Damien or Halloween and hey, let's
1: do this? Like, I don't know. And that's, that's suburban, uh, Mexico city. So it's not like it's Tijuana right across the border either. Like you're deep into Mexico.
0: Uh, and you know, before I, before we get into more notes, cause you know, this won't be a super long show as usual, but I, I want to give our fans as much time as possible here. Um, you well, know, we'll talk about these two notes, and then we can get into the, what I want to talk about. Uh, June thirteenth, uh, two thousand thirteen, uh, Ryan Katz, who was GQ Money and XBW, was the ring announcer for MTV Wrestling. Society X was hired as a producer for NXT, uh, and then uh, on July eighth, two thousand thirteen, from the Observer, Rob Black announced that he would be restarting XBW on a show on October thirty first in Los Angeles, featuring a twelve man tournament for the XBW title, and and that hasn't. An, uh, still not happen that 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 did not happen in uh in two thousand thirteen and august thirty first now so wanted to let's get into uh this there was a theory or more of a i guess theory would be or just an idea that was put out there would did anyone heavily report I don't know but before the pandemic happened. And WrestleMania was supposed to be in Los Angeles in 2021. There was a theory that if you were going to do an XPW reunion show, you know, and maybe like, you know, especially in in honor of like Supreme and all that, that Los Angeles would have been the way to go and to do that. Uh, And you could have got like chaos and Johnny Webb and a few others, um, you know, but like Scorpio Sky and others like that, that, that could have qualified as xpw alumni but that would have been a perfect idea for a wrestle media weekend show as part of like the collective or whatever i do your tv was doing
1: yeah uh, you know i mean I, I mean everything has changed since the pandemic but yeah, i know it would have been i could have seen that drawing i mean i think it would have been better in Blackcraft. yeah <laughs> i I'm just think it would have you could have ran xpw in jersey city and still doing better <laughs>
0: Well, the collective did, or the the black rift did draw terrible. It just the show was ran terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know there was rumblings of that, and you know we can, you know, we can go a little bit towards here. We can kind of like talk about the future of XPW because it might not be over, <laughs> according to what I'm reading on Facebook <laughs> and all that. So, uh, but. You know, there was rumblings of that, and I know, you know, in the deathmatch world of today, where you have, I mean, Mid-South has almost had a resurgence. You know, it seems like they're doing good business again, and they're becoming more of a... You know, oh yeah, this place is good wrestlers. And because of the popularization of deathmatch wrestling. And I mean, Nick Gage, if that tells you anything, this guy is probably one of the most popular independent wrestlers in the country. And he's a deathmatch wrestler. Uh, you know, deathmatch wrestling is seen in a completely different light in 2021 than it was in 2003 or 2010 when XBW tried to come back. Uh, with, with the obscenity stuff, no. there's There is absolutely there's absolutely no nothing there for that you know um but for the deathmatch style and the crazy spots and the scaffolds and maybe not the scaffolds but the, it, it it wouldn't be the worst idea no for XPW to come back now, maybe not but better than ever. If they're a deathmatch centric Fed with maybe some good like style matches.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you looked at it at that point in time, how they were perceived, but then you look at what deathmatch has become, and there's a lot deathmatches use a lot more weapons, they're a lot have pushed the limit a lot farther nowadays than XPW ever did. I think XPW would seem very tame by today's standards, at least with the deathmatch, the deathmatch ideas.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... Well, like I said, I I think that, you know, thumbtacks and this and that, I... You see what some of the stuff that Game Changer Wrestling does, or Mid South does, or ICW, yeah. ICW do, does, and it, 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 it's some of the stuff's not as crazy. Uh, XP didn't do crazy stuff like they do in some aspects, um, and I, I, I don't know. I, 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 feel like, you know, Chris Kloss is a guy that probably would fit perfect if he was if he was doing play by play for Game Changer or ICW or like yeah. that, you know. You know, nothing against Kevin Gill struggles. I think, you know, they do great for what they do. I'm saying that Chris Kloss could be fit into that mold. I, it, it, it kind of makes sense that if XPW were to come back, this would probably be the best time period, uh, to do it, you know, and, uh, you know, Rob Black, you know, we, we can talk to talk about a little bit here after the Supreme obituary, um, you know, but, uh, I mean, he, he, he's out of jail <laughs> you know he's, he's been out for a while yeah so uh but yeah so we'll, we'll, let's get into which might have been the one guy to stick with rob black all the way to the end there supreme uh we unfortunately lost him may 11 2020 lester uh or sorry, we lost him may six, but this is from the may 11 Zerber. lost at Perfer's, uh best known uh as the Deathmatch match king supreme uh, in the California based extreme pro wrestling promotion, uh, passed away May 6th due to a heart attack born on uh, May 30th, 1979. He was a few weeks away shy of his 50th birthday. His nephew, Joey Munoz, who, uh, wrestled as chaos and was his frequent tag team partner said, I'm at a loss for words. My uncle, my hero, my reason I have a life in pro wrestling Lester, AKA Supreme passed away this morning. My heart is dropped, broken and numb. I'm at a real loss right now. Uh, Preffers, known as the Human Horror Show, Supreme wrestled for 25 years starting in 1995 and was still doing independent wrestling, mostly in Southern California until the scene was shut down. He had wrestled less frequently in recent years, uh, but had a deathmatch scheduled against Eli Everfly in Southern California and scheduled in March that ended up being canceled due to the pandemic. His heyday from 2000 to 2002 was he was the deathmatch star of XBW, uh, headed by porn producer Rob Zakari. Uh, most notable, um, I'm sorry, uh, better known as Rob Black, uh, he held the company's deathmatch title four times during those years and also won both the 2000 and 2002 King of the Deathmatch Tournament the promotion ran. Probably the most famous incident that he was involved with was part of the XPW ECW incident on July 16, 2000, ECW Heatwave pay-per-view show at the Grand Olympic Auditorium. There were rumors, uh, so they kind of just kind of talk about the... Uh, the incident again. We don't have to keep repeating it with XVW and ECW on that. Um, you know, about Rhino throwing, the, you know, getting the uh, beer can uh, or throwing the beer can after his match with Sandman and all the stuff with Supreme and, and all that. Um, but going on to Supreme's uh, career after XBW closed up, mostly working for various Southern uh, California promotions and also worked independent shows through the United States and Mexico. And Supreme is, you know, now. It's weird because, like, we, we, we talked about it in on previous shows that, like, the XBW Deathmatch guys weren't almost, like, talked about in that fraternity that, that oh, these are the best Deathmatch wrestlers of all time. When you talk about Zandig and Sick Nick Mondo and, uh, you know, Nick Gage and Messiah and, um, oh, his name escapes me right now, oh, Justice Payne, like they never really like talked a lot about the like Messiah had a long East coast Deaf match career after, but they didn't really talk a lot about those guys and it Supreme, you know, unfortunately I think it took his passing to to do so, but he's getting his just doing that community. You know, they actually did honor him and put him in the game changer wrestling started a Deaf match hall of fame. And he was one of the uh, first inductees uh, into that hall of fame.
1: And he, he did work game changer in uh, 2017. Uh, lost to Matt Tremont at GCW Road to Survival in Howell, New Jersey. So he did at least work one match for them. Yeah. But yeah, and, I think... Uh, and
0: for Tremont, he wanted to work every deaf match legend of all time, so...
1: I, 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 think, I think Supreme's uh, legacy is kind of stuck with that same issue we've talked about in previous shows where we've highlighted the West Coast, where if you're stationed on the West Coast, you really... You're really not getting your name out there enough with indie wrestling. You kind of have to be on the northeast, on the east coast, and I think that hindered a lot of his career. I mean, again, he still had a 25 year career. He still worked a ton of places, a ton of matches, a ton of talent. But when you look at it, it's mostly California. It's Mexico. Uh, in 2009, he worked John Moxley in West Virginia. So he did get out here, and and, and Drake Younger, <laughs> but uh, he definitely got out on the on the East Coast sometimes, but mostly being in on the West Coast, I think that also hindered his career, uh, post XPW.
0: Yeah, it's and you know, when we want to talk about the legacy, you know, of a guy like Supreme or just the legacy in general. Uh, of, of some of these XPW, you know, guys and everything, you know. Um, we don't really see it on a, too much of a mainstream. Uh, you know, it's not like ECW where guys will be like, oh, yeah, my influence was this guy, you know, it was a Sandman or it was Raven or it was Tommy Dream or Taz, whatever, you know, Sabu, etc. You don't see that often, but I think in the West Coast, uh, you know, these guys, we, we can say that the West Coast independent scene, Really blew up in that 2010 to 2000 like 20 era. It went from whoa, wait, what? Did what's going on over there? You know, and uh, you know, Red Pro and Pro Wrestling Guerrilla is probably the the biggest. And this and, and that scene did was a kind of a fodder system for Wrestling Society X and Lucha Underground. Uh, you know, bringing guys in there and and now and all the wrestling, all the wrestling has a gigantic Pro Wrestling Guerrilla influence and Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. I don't care how way you want to slice it. It's even if it's the, in the most minute way, there's XPW influence there. Yeah. You know, there's uh, the XP, at the end of the day, XPW were the innovators to take this California independent scene that you never, ever, ever, ever really heard of other than the observer would read out. Oh, wow. This Lucha show drew a thousand people in Compton. But there wasn't much that you knew out there.
1: Yeah, the Cruiserweight and the Lucha influence in wrestling basically started in Southern California back from the 90s going on with Lucha shows in Southern California and growing that way. And, like, we can give credit to WCW with their Cruiserweight division, but on the indies, a lot of that was started in Southern California. And I wonder
0: – what I wonder here is is that if – If because Lucha was so popular in the mid to late 90s on the independent scene in California that it kind of like didn't give a platform for other independent wrestling to become what it became in the 2000s in California. Because in the 90s, we, we can rattle off 30, 40, 50 names of guys on the East Coast that you knew, but who did you really know in California on the independent scene back then?
1: you mean in the 2000s? No, no in the 90s. Oh, the 90s. Yeah, you didn't know anybody? No, no. <laughs> you know. Uh Daniel's, but that we didn't really find out about Christopher Daniels until late late 90s. But yeah, uh Yeah, I can see where you're going with that. Um
0: real quick, uh I did want to uh, talk about our great sponsor for today's show. Uh you know, have you uh, have you ever wondered what it would be like if Chewbacca wrestled the Loch Ness Monster? What if your favorite Ninja Turtle grappled with He-Man? Well, the possibilities are endless in the new comedy show on YouTube, WEN, the Wrestling Entertainment Network. You can join your hosts, Chip Studebaker, and Jib Bannerson every Saturday on their YouTube channel for all the plastic cracking action you can handle, complete with commentary, commercials, and comedy. Any action figure, any franchise, anything goes in the handmade home of WEN, the Grapple palace so check out our good friends the wrestling entertainment network on youtube it is very interesting i was checking something out and you know it's it reminded me of like i don't know if you ever did this ash when you wanted to have a wrestler when you were a kid but you didn't have that jack specific or ljan or whatever and you just supplemented another non-wrestling action figure my most example was i would use hercules kevin sorbo as triple h until i got a
1: triple H. i would use him for her as hercules hernandez but i guess that would work I, well
0: he doesn't look like her he kind of looked like triple H. and he had like this cool like he had like maroon like crisscross like pants and it was like this kind of look i mean we're talking hunter Hurst hemsley 1996 1997 so like i was like yeah, yeah th- this works but yeah uh our good friends over there check them out wrestling entertainment network uh they're a proud sponsor. And if you want to sponsor the podcast, just shoot us an email, rediscoveringtheindies at uh, gmail.com, or you can message any of our social media outlets on uh, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and uh, we'll get back to you uh, with a very reasonable price. But it'd be reasonably priced, you know. And uh, we're really, uh, so we want to thank the WEN for being a sponsor. And I know we got some more sponsors on the horizon. So thank everyone who's interested, and thank you, WEN. But yeah, so. So, so, so like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think, and and a lot of this is going to come up, a lot of this is going to come up when uh, Dark Side of the Ring airs later this fall. And I don't know the exact date that the XPW episode will air, but what's, what's going to happen is, is that I, I'm afraid that they're going to look at XPW in the lights of an Herb Abrams UWF. And and listen and, and there's nothing against um uh Jason and Evan over there at Dark Side of the Ring. I think they do an absolutely phenomenal job. But you have 44 minutes and we told the story of XPW and we're going to kind of and this is a we're going to tell a little bit more just just modern day, you know, but we've we've told the, the story of XPW in 8 hours or more, <laughs> you know. You know, around 8 hours and I don't think in 44 minutes it could really tell the influence that it had uh, and that, yes, Rob Black was a very controversial figure. He made some decisions that were not smart, but he took a risk. He took a risk, and he lasted a lot longer than most startups in this post-WCW-ECW time period, which we're going to talk about one next month.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, running Philly could have paid off, like, it it didn't, and looking at it in hindsight, you think, well, that's why it didn't. But back then, there wasn't a lot of people that were saying like, "Oh, this is gonna foul in a way." Like, it had potential. I, uh,
0: you know, look look looking looking back at the Philadelphia thing, and if he didn't try to push. Those other promotions out of the ECW arena, it probably would have been okay. I mean, he honestly pushed them to be better. I mean, CCW, like they started trying different venues and all that, and and three PW, you know, not that their life lasted a lot longer after that, but the uh, the arena that they replaced uh, with was pretty cool. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, so it forced
1: a lot of those companies to work together, and and that helped them in the long run.
0: Yeah, and, and I think at that point he should have stayed on – I always say he should have stayed on California. Uh, he shouldn't have really tried to be a national promotion. you know. And that, does that mean not getting Terry Funk and Shane Douglas and Chris Candido and New Jack? Probably. But you had guys – that's the thing. If you're going to start – and I always tell, you, if you're going to start an independent promotion where you want some names but you don't want to spend a lot of money, you either start it in Los Angeles, you start it in Tampa, Florida, or you start it in New York, New Jersey, yeah. Philadelphia area, because the Flights chances will kill you. of names living in those areas are highly likely. And here's the thing, Los Angeles, I mean, there's tons of guys living there. And then he, if he, if he survived, he could have had Daniels, and he could have had Danielson, and you know, there's a ton of. A ton of guys he could have used, you know, in more of a high-profile way. I mean, we only saw, I think, Modest was on, like, the first or second show, but really not much of Mike Modest and Donovan Morgan. And there was so much there in California that he didn't even need to be, oh, we're going to be ECW and all that. Have some deathmatch stuff, have some real wrestling matches, and look, just look at the talent that was living in Los Angeles so you don't have to fly in from Mexico or Philadelphia, you know, he was flying a lot of talent in from Florida and, and and New York, Philadelphia area.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like I said, like flights will kill you. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how much how much what you can do for deals. Like if you can get a deal on get the brother brother rate on on uh, on pay, you still have to pay trans. Like there's no way avoiding that. You can't call Delta and be like, "Hey, can you hook me up with a brother brother rate." That that doesn't work. <laughs> Um, Flights is still going to cost what they cost.
0: Yeah, and so if it we're two people who want to start an independent wrestling promotion, and have a ton of names, and not, you know, have the promotion end in three shows, base yourself in those type of areas where you know a lot of wrestlers yeah. live, because tra- travel travel gets a lot easier. So yeah, I think if Rob Black would have did that, he would have stayed in California. They would have had a longer lasting life. Now, the federal indictment. Obviously that changes a lot of things, but he wouldn't have lost the money that he did if he would have stayed regional. And then he could have passed that on to somebody to run while he was. We've seen it before. It was Vince McMahon's plan. He goes, Well, if I yeah. get indicted, the company will still go on.
1: Yeah, I think that's where uh that whole strategy of if you would have stayed here, if you would have stayed there, is kind of rendered mute when you look at the the federal lawsuit. Like there was no way. Like, yeah, if if he was successful and if If Extreme Associates wasn't subsidizing the wrestling and wrestling was profitable, then I could see it continuing with someone else running it because it was bringing in the money. And Rob Black obviously needed the money to fight the lawsuit. So I could see that continuing to to proceed on there. But yeah, if if there wasn't a federal lawsuit, XPW could have kept going because – the money from extreme associates would have kept rolling in and kept funding XPW. So, yeah, I think it's just a mute point at that point where one led to another, but I don't think both of them combined, like not making money and the federal lawsuits would killed XPW, not just one or the other.
0: And, uh, you know, I, I think a guy that doesn't get talked to enough in XPW's run, and we've mentioned him quite a few times here, but, you know, I think XPW gets lost in a lot of the deaf matches and the, the the porn stars and all that. But I don't think people realize how, in my opinion, at least, how good of a worker Joey Chaos was. <laughs> yeah. Joey Chaos was a, a pretty good worker, and, and he's... You know, he's worked, you know, for CCW, he's worked uh, WWE Extra Work quite a few times, Um, and most recently, um, he worked Lucha Underground, too, actually, Uh, and most recently, he's uh, worked for Championship Wrestling High when United Wrestling Network, under David Marquez, so you don't forget where you start from there. No. Um, You know, that is a guy that, if he isn't an XPW guy, and he clings to the rev pro guys and and clings to the pro wrestling gorilla guys he's probably an AEW. you know it's unfortunate you know but i mean who knows now now the championship wrestling you know they do great things and you've seen a lot of those talent get signed elsewhere so that could be something for him uh you know as you know really there is no too old in wrestling and i i think he's in his probably 40s i think at this point he had his first match in 1997 but uh he's 42 years old um but uh it, it, there's a guy right there, you know. uh You know, we talk. You know, it because of the the mystique behind XPW in a negative way. I think a guy like him maybe didn't get the opportunities that he should have gotten outside of XPW. Oh, you're just an XPW guy. Because if you look at other guys, you know Johnny Webb and and Angel and Homeless Jimmy and and you know th- those type guys. You know Supreme and, and Messiah had a niche they were deaf match guys but those other guys that did deaf matches and regular matches like they they were they were really they didn't broaden their horizons or go much out of xpw but a guy like joey chaos i think could have possibly been a bigger deal and he still can be because 42 in pro wrestling is 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 not you know and he's still working actively is not uh is not an age that's uh that's out of question to be working for a television company no not at all um so, want to talk about maybe the future of XPW when where Rob Black is now? Um, so, th- those you know that we uh, we we're from Buffalo, New York, you know, and well, I'm from Buffalo, New York. Ash, you live in Rochester, New York.
1: Yeah, uh, and I'm a Buffalo native. but I've lived in Rochester for the last fifteen years. Rob Black owns a
0: cheeseburger restaurant in rochester new york where he's from and it's it's so funny because i had i i there's a friend of mine Vinny paulino check out his show podcast the creep show uh and he said to me he goes one of the comics that's been doing shows in rochester her brother is rob black and I'm like, what? <laughs> like I had to like, because I had no idea that he was from Rochester. At the like, yeah, he's a Rochester a native. Years ago, yeah, I had absolutely no idea. And I said, what? And uh, yeah, there was a their comic, um, I believe Cindy Arena, um, formerly C- Cindy Zakari, I think. Like I think she's married, but or maybe it's a stage name. I don't know. But yeah, uh, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and then.
1: I mean, it's 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 just as shocking as when we found out Brett Lauderdale. It's also a Rochester native yeah. too.
0: Like it's the it's, deathmatch match capital of the world, where you can't have deaf matches. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, I'm like, wow, that's neat, interesting. And then, Vinny tells me, so yeah, there's this cheeseburger restaurant in Rochester called American Cheeseburger that had XBW uh, posters in it.
1: Yeah, it's actually it was it's two doors down from the former Pop Rock, a uh, comic book shop that was uh, our good friend, former ECW superstar Colin Delaney uh, worked at and ran. Uh, and I remember hearing I've never been in American Cheeseburg, but I've heard from other people. I think one of my roommates have said they walked in there once and didn't know any of the association, but walked in and there's just XPW pictures and posters hanging on the wall.
0: Uh, yeah. It, it... And then we find out that Rob Black is the owner of American Cheeseburger. Yeah. So, if you were in the Rochester area and you want to get a cheeseburger, and
1: I'm I'm assuming
0: garbage plates as well. I, I'm assuming in Rochester and uh, and that stuff that stuff because of our local culture, I don't think you'd find out in any other shows. Like, you know, we have no idea what Del
1: Gagne owns. No, no. <laughs> um, Again, I know Colin. I I know Colin is. Uh, a frequent uh frequent person there and uh knows rob as well and also uh there's also extreme gifts in penfield suburban rochester that uh i don't know if rob owns it but i know tom byron is involved which tom byron we've mentioned earlier was a director uh for extreme associates and also the co founder co-owner of xpw from what we've heard uh,
0: and, and Tom Byron claims that Shane Douglas was never the Booker. So who, who's right? Who's yeah, wrong? Yeah, he's been commenting
1: on our, our stuff on there. Yeah. Like we don't know. Um, but I know like both Tom and Rob Black both are active in the small business community of Rochester, New York. And so, and, and we'll give them the due. Like we've heard good things about American Cheeseburger. If you're in Rochester, go check them out. Exactly right. So here you business.
0: go. You know, he's after the business is done, he's got a cheeseburger restaurant.
1: He also has a podcast. But then he has a
0: podcast. <laughs> yes. And we, I've been posting these XPW episodes in an XPW Facebook group, which i it's a fan group, but a lot of XPW people are in it. And uh, a few fans have been saying that they've listened to Rob Black's podcast, which looks like it comes out very frequently.
1: I think it's daily, So yeah. it's, it's not just about XPW. It's, it's his about thoughts his on Rochester crime and, like, and stuff like that. But- I do want to know what he thinks of Lovely Warren (laughs) or our mayor. I I do need to listen to that.
0: A fan mentioned that he was listening to the podcast and Rob Black said he's bringing back XBW. And he's also been talking a lot of podcasts about the Dark Side of the Ring episode. And, you know, I think what he's hoping for is that the Dark Side of the Ring episode does what, what really it did for... For uh, Nick Gage and the aspect of it made people, whoa, like have an interest in this like not mainstream topic, and he can run XPW again. Um, Does he run it in New York State? I don't think he should, because New York State won't let him do what he wants, deathmatch-wise.
1: Yeah. If he wants to do it,
0: maybe he doesn't want to do deathmatch. I mean, it's similar to why
1: GCW rarely runs in New York. It's just because of the restrictions and...
0: Yeah, Brett Lauderdale doesn't run in his hometown so he's yeah. originally from. So, um, so or does he, you know, does he go, does he just do maybe like one big shindig in California or does he run Philadelphia again? And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to you how I do think an XBW would fit in today's time frame, what he needs to do. And this is the one thing I do. And you couldn't find anything in this in research and I couldn't find anything. Who owns the tape library?
1: Because if who, he. Who owns Extreme Associates? Because he didn't file for bankruptcy, did he? If he owns the tape library, then
0: that stuff needs to go on IWTV immediately. Absolutely immediately. Because that's how you're going to start garnering a buzz. Oh, boom. We put a year of XPW on another year of XPW, another year XBW on IWTV, TV, and and people are starting to watch us and like, oh yeah, wow, this this was this was interesting and and all that, and then oh by the way, XPW is coming back wherever, whenever. But in today's world, where the it, it seems that if you have a type tape library to anything in pro wrestling that had any historical significance, whether it was good or not. There's an interest in it. I have an. I want to watch all the Herb Abrams, UWF stuff. (laughs) wasn't good, but I have an interest to see how it encountered, how how it unfolded, you know
1: what happened there. There's there's certain ways those. There's obviously Daily Motion. There's YouTube, but a lot of that stuff. Not everything's up there. No, not, not everything's labeled. People have labeled. loaded
0: their DVDs up there on no, the internet. Not that's everything's labeled
1: done. properly. It's not in chronological order. It's it's not easy to go back and watch. And we want like a central location.
0: And we've seen uh, the, the that's our Mongo Twitter. He, and thanks, shout out to him, by the way, uh, plugging our <laughs> show. Uh, but he. Um, he posted, was posting a lot of XPW stuff and all that, and and I think it was from DVDs or at least you know, you know stuff that's on the internet from DVDs that he got, but uh, yeah, that tape library I think needs to be up somewhere. Like I said, what are you you know, I think there's a lot of negativity towards XPW that isn't warranted. Yes, some of the, if you're not a deaf match wrestling fan, you won't like a good chunk of it. Yeah in 2021 the stuff with the strip teasing and the the nudity matches it's not cool but watching you know Terry Funk wrestle Chris Candido you know and yeah. and, and and a guy like Joey Chaos and, and an early Scorpio Sky and it it that type of stuff intrigues me and you can and and that type of stuff is i want to know the evolution of California pro wrestling and i think if you are going to study the evolution of California pro wrestling you need to know XPW and I, I think that I think that 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 needs to be on iwtv somewhere it needs to be up for everyone to watch and everyone to check out because like, like I said uh, you know Rob Black I'm not going to defend him but I'm not going to I'm not going to crucify the guy you know whether I agree with his business practices or not it's not like he ran a product that wouldn't be the, like, minus the, the, the teasing and nudity and all that. It's not like he ran a product that would be so much different than what we see on the independent scene today. With the death matches. And the, yeah, scaffold may be a little, because of him, scaffolds may be a little out of taste. But,
1: yeah. You know, but
0: I don't think it'd be much different than, than what it is
1: today. So Oh, not at all. And from what I'm researching right now, Extreme Associates never declared bankruptcy. They shut down, but they never declared bankruptcy. So if they were to declare bankruptcy, then the tape library would have been considered an asset and sold off. It seems like Rob Black probably still owns the tape library.
0: Which, why is that stuff not up, Rob? Rob, if you're listening, I've heard rumors you would have, I've heard rumors you haven't. I don't know if you are or not, but Rob, if you are listening, please
1: put the tape library up. I I, I can we, guarantee – We, we, we talked to Jerry. We talked to Drew. We yeah. talked to Darren ha- Dylan House. Get it on IWTV. I can
0: guarantee you MLJ will at least tweet once about it, <laughs> watching it when it pops up. And probably, probably Bix and Span will, too. Anytime that, that old school footage comes up, those two guys are on my feet.
1: Like IWTV will – like obviously, there's other on-demand networks, but IWTV would be probably the perfect – the perfect adventure for that.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I say get ahead of the game, especially with the Dark Side of the Ring episode. Let me ask you this, because this is very rare that we've that we've talked about something and it's gonna be a dark side of the ring. Like, you know, we've the New Jack incident which we talked about was already a Dark Side of the Ring, but the XBW Dark Side of the Ring isn't out yet and it hasn't been finished, you know, from listening to the Dark Side of the Ring podcast episode uh episodes. Um do you think what do you think we're going to learn that we didn't go over? Because <laughs> there will be something I I know like we're only going on like research and writing, but you know they're going to be doing testimonials and all that.
1: Yeah, they're going to be doing a lot of in depth interviews with a, with a lot of people. So I don't know. I I think a lot of Rob Black uh, personal feelings on the matter will come out. Um, I feel bad that I didn't really sit down and listen to a lot of Rob Black. Rob Black's podcast to get his point of view but again he does almost daily podcasts about a lot of things so I really couldn't I really couldn't listen and just pick apart the XPW uh, parts of that but I think a lot I think Darkseid will get a lot of his viewpoint on that on the situation
0: yeah so I mean I'm what I think I want to know If in two thousand twenty one Messiah really thinks that it's Rob Black that hired those guys to attack him. Because I think it's gonna be a different story now, in my opinion.
1: If they interview Messiah. I mean it's still a cold case, but like the statute of limitations obviously expired on that. Was it
0: just the cool thing to say back then or does he
1: really think it it was true? I mean it definitely Because nobody's talked about it in years. In years. No, no. It definitely helped Messiah's gimmick getting out there for to paint Rob Black as the as the bad guy in that, and helped him help Messiah get bookings.
0: By the way, you know we I remember when we talked about in the one episode last episode where they XPW did the simulated incident of something being cut off, and then if anybody has footage of Messiah going to thumb Nick Gage but realize he doesn't have a thumb. And then they no selling it because. Please send that to us. I, I need to absolutely <laughs> see that. Um, but yeah, so th- this show, you know, I, it is a little shorter one than usual. But like I said, we will be back sooner than later in July. We'll we'll try to get out the uh, figure around the twenty first we'll get out the, the the next July episode so you don't have to wait all month. We can get out the July episode on twenty first. But any any final thoughts like I said we but we're about an hour and a half on this and you know what our final closing thoughts. But any final thoughts on on on, on this long journey of XPW that we've gone through
1: no, it's it's uh XPW only lasted a very short time. Uh long legacy that's obviously still continuing I think I think they're unique in comparison to a lot of the other indie feds we've talked about, where those feds obviously had issues like their downfall was solely because of the company, because of the promoter. Where XPW's downfall was the federal government. But also, they're not clear cut are they gone for good? Could they come back? Who knows? Rob Black obviously knows.
0: I, uh... I think that they should be talked about more in a positive light than a negative light. Obviously, you do want to talk about the negative stuff. You know, there was, you know, but th- this wasn't a, a heroes of wrestling type of situation. Like, not everything was bad. You had some good wrestlers on it. Uh, Deathmatch wrestling in California was almost a foreign concept. Yeah. Uh, you know, before they really popularized it over there. Um, and it was the first California independent to, like, get some buzz, which led to Rev Pro, which led to Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, which... I say it again and I'll say it again, there is no all elite wrestling without pro wrestling gorilla. Uh so if you if you look at it that way, uh it's got a long lasting influence on a business, Ryan Katz, Dave Marquez, uh, Kevin Kleinrock, and others, uh, that, that, that worked for Rob black at one time. Um, what the future holds for XBW, you know, I've said it, you know, probably in a bunch of different ways in this episode. I think it can exist. I don't think it should be bigger than its britches though. I think like, Hey, listen, you know what? We're going to run once a month or once every other month or wherever it may be. And, you know, we're, we're to put it on fight or IWTV, and, you know, there's not a lot of guys, right? So you're from the past that are still working. So you want to create your own brand identity, right? So you're finding maybe some of the underutilized Deathmatch guys. That, that are out there yeah. that style you know I'll, I'll you know i'll put i'll put it out here you know he's a friend of mine but i i'd like to see anthony gaines a new xpw if it happens that's a, <laughs> a, a none of a kind so
1: he has uh, xpw merch uh, if it it's
0: so i uh, you know but just yeah you know guys like that that are starting to kind of you know do deathmatch style stuff but maybe they're not game changer regulars or iw mid regulars you know uh it, it, it'd be pretty cool to see and you know I think deathmatch wrestling gets a bad rap in the aspect of, you know, not everybody that promotes it doesn't know what they're, they're – I mean, Rob Black knew what he was doing at certain points. We talked about maybe the guy that promoted black rap wrestling was a deathmatch promoter for. Uh, maybe he did not a book of his stuff. But, I mean, Lauderdale, I mean, he's drawing in Wyoming. So, like, yeah. you know, it's – it's, it's. Uh, There's definitely a market. In 2021, there was a market for XBW and a market for deathmatch wrestling. There's no doubt about that. Does Rob Black's past? Does the internet not get behind him because of it? That will be interesting.
1: Yeah, I think that's a major difference between uh, 18 years ago and today, where back then it was ticket sales and DVDs. And now you can draw 50 fans, but you can make thousands on on demand and through iPay-Per-View. So it's an h- entirely different market. And I think that's where XBW could shine. I mean, it works for Game Changer. Like it doesn't take a it doesn't take an informed mind to look at Game Changer at some of these shows where they're not drawing thousands of people, but you know they're they're international. They're they're killing it on on demand. They're killing it on fight. That's where the money is.
0: Um. By the way, do we know how long he actually served? Before we actually wrap up there uh yeah it would be a good thing look
1: yeah. up. uh
0: just so all the fans know everything going on here
1: um uh rob black and lizzie borden were both sentenced to one year and one day in prison on july 1st 2009
0: so basically 12 months which was you know a little in the middle of what they what they thought that that they would get here uh Rob Black is no longer uh, married to Lizzie Borden, if, if those of you were uh, were wondering or curious. Here, she's a singer now, apparently uh, she, with Crash Music as the label's official spokesmodel, and she's produced her her own music. So, uh, Lizzie, Liz, Lizzie Borden's still out there, and she's singing. And uh, it, it looks like her and Rob Black uh, got divorced in 2013 was when they were divorced so uh lizzie borden as far as i know did nothing in wrestling uh after all this ended yeah. which I'm, which i'm not surprised um all right so with that folks like i said a little bit of a shorter show but uh you know we did talk a lot about xpw over four months
1: we and, did nine hours so far yeah. and this is over 10
0: and uh, i, I, I want to tell you a little bit of what's going on in the future here uh next month and like so we'll get that out a little bit earlier we're going to cover uh main event championship wrestling and they what were, is that well they were the first <laughs> of the oh look ECW and wcw is gone if i get a lot of money or tell the people i have a lot of money and get all these names i could be the next super company there's a lot to that, folks. Uh, John Collins was an interesting individual. Uh, we talk a lot about interesting individuals that have criminal <laughs> records here. But uh, the you were listen
1: Spoiler, the law
0: is involved. The, you're going to want to hear this story. And the way he tried to get out of avoiding paying the talent, you're going to want to hear this story about John Collins and main event championship wrestling. Following that, we're actually going to talk about the NWA title. Uh, it will be our August episode... Uh, our first episode ever, which was released late August last year, we talked about the NWA title, uh, and that was from, uh, we did it basically from when it ended with WCW and Wyndham and, and all that mess, and and it went from all the way from there until uh, TNA. Well, now we're going to cover when TNA ended its relationship up until the Billy Corgan purchase, <coughs> and believe me, there is some interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, there's a lot of regarding a certain lawyer in Texas that uh, basically counted his way into owning the company and a lot of his...
0: Someone owned Houston wrestling footage, which I still don't know how that happened.
1: (laughs) a, a A lot of his policies towards NWA affiliates that really is not out there. They really didn't hit the dirt sheets, but a lot of people in the business knew about. So I think that... I think we... Could hit on that.
0: We too. have some first hand experiences the way the NWA operated
1: in the, its affiliate promotions back yeah.
0: then. And we'll, what it
1: what we'll it did under Trolbeck and then what it did under uh this regime. So yeah. yeah. So
0: yeah, so uh th- that's our next two months. And then if you want something you're gonna cover, you want us to cover, I'm sorry, not your cover, <laughs> you want us to cover, you can uh contact us on Twitter at RTI Pod. Instagram, Rediscovering the Indies, uh, as well as Facebook, Rediscovering Indies. Like I said, go on, uh, you know, subscribe and and give us a a five star rating if you can. Hopefully, you'll like us enough to give that. And uh, you really want to thank you for supporting. And if you own a small business and you are looking to sponsor the podcast, like I said, we're very reasonable with our rates. Give us a, shoot us a message and we can can get you uh, as a great sponsor, like our good friends at WEN. So, uh, you know, the Wrestling Entertainment Network to help sponsor today. Great YouTube comedy show. Check it out. So, so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, check us out on all that platforms. Uh, you got any final thoughts here, Ash, or where they could follow you specifically on social media?
1: Uh, just follow me on social media, Rough Ash, because I am an independent wrestling referee or part-time. Uh, and also uh, check out IWTV. Check out Empire State Wrestling, uh, the local company we uh, we work for. Uh, I've been doing a lot of editing of the archives and putting up on IWTV got a uh, 2014 up there 2015 uh by the time this episode drops 2016 will be up there maybe 2017 as well um and we're getting a lot of views on that that'll the uh the old shows too so it proves uh the old archives actually do well on uh on on demand so check that out uh use the IDBTV code empire state uh if you've if you're not a subscriber and uh yeah
0: yeah and and wrestling is uh reopening up and where you could find me and usually if you could find me jonathan ash is usually uh involved somehow Uh, but uh july 10th uh new jersey uh nfw uh running at the hgo wrestling center in uh, morristown so uh um i'll be there ash does pro- some production work for them and i'll be there ring announcing so you can check us out there um and then uh july 24th i'll be in lockport new york ring announces some mma for ground force fights but you're gonna actually be doing some production work for uh, xpw in providence rhode island correct or... yeah <laughs> I, I, I have xpw in mind X-DBA. yeah we're helping out the gopro
1: guys out there I, yeah. in rhode island and uh july 31st we're back in buffalo for esw and that's a,
0: yeah and empire state wrestling is back july 31st uh that's going to be uh a really uh huge show at buffalo riverworks so check that out if you're if you're in a local
1: area so and uh, i know if you're not in the local area you listen to this you probably just i know we're going heavy on the local stuff here but like check out esw on 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 demand check out check out some local stuff check out excite wrestling check out nfw like put some good shows around the area
0: uh, and uh, you can check me out, Chris Gello, at uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, Comedy starting heat up too. Uh, you'll see me a couple uh, doing a venue a couple times in Buffalo, doing some stand up in July. So, and more details will come out on my social media for that. So, check us out and support there. But once again, RTA Pod on Twitter. Uh, Rediscovering the Indies on Instagram and Facebook For every day you get this data in independent wrestling history and then we kind of put up some uh, You know topic teasers for the shows Or ask people what they want us to cover or whatnot. So, So for Jonathan Ash I'm Chris Gell Thank you for listening to Rediscovering the Indies Supporting the BSCP Network And supporting independent wrestling Thank you